You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Bowery Boys episode 319. The tale of Charging Bull and Fearless Girl. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. Support for the Bowery Boys is provided by our listeners. Join us for as little as a dollar a month by visiting patreon.com slash boys. Hi there. Welcome to the Bowery Boys. This is Greg Young. And I'm Tom Myers. And today we have a story about a lot of bull. <laughs> A whole lot of bull <laughs> and a sassy little girl. We are, of course, talking about two extremely popular and for some actually controversial pieces of public art which sit in lower Manhattan. We are referring to Charging Bull by the artist Arturo Di Modica and Fearless Girl by Kristen Visbal. Now, there is a lot of public art in New York City, fortunately. And Greg, one of these days, we actually need to do a whole show just on the City Beautiful movement, which intended to beautify the entire city in the late 19th century and beginning of the 20th. Right. The City Beautiful movement was this idea that a beautiful city was a healthy city. And the idea that art was not meant only to enchant citizens, but that it was even to make them better, more virtuous people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so major cities were built upon this idea, like well into the 20th century. In New York, we even had the Public Art Fund, which went a step further. This was created in 1977, and that employed contemporary artists to stage public art exhibitions throughout the city. And don't forget all the amazing works of public art that were provided by by private companies or by individuals. You know, um, it brings to mind like Atlas, the Statue of Atlas, holding the world over at Rockefeller Center, or all of the really cool pieces along 6th Avenue in Midtown. You know, the streets of New York City are in a way a bit of an art gallery themselves. Yeah, they definitely can be. But this story today is not about any of those. <laughs> because Charging Bull is an example of guerrilla art, okay? The city did not ask for this, and they certainly didn't like it at first, actually, when it was installed in 1989. And yet I think it's because of this concept, the guerrilla art concept, that, that people have taken such a shine to it, if you will. Let me get this straight. So the bull is actually guerrilla art? That's bananas. 
I couldn't resist. I mean, it's just hanging right there. But <laughs> low-hanging fruit. <laughs> low-hanging fruit. We'll get to the bull's low-hanging fruit in a second. <laughs> but I think you are underselling this a bit because charging bull is actually one of the most photographed objects in New York City. Every day there are thousands of tourists who flock to it down at Bowling Green toward the southern tip of Manhattan. Well, in normal times they flock to it, I should say. Not now, not during this period of lockdown and shelter in place Mm -mm. in New York City and in the rest of the country, of course. So, you know, there's not that much tourism going on, and that is a sad thing, and we can't wait to see it pick up again, of course. In fact, Tom, this past weekend, I I bundled up Mm -hmm. here in Brooklyn. I put on my mask. I made sure I was six feet or further away from people and walked across the Brooklyn Bridge and actually wandered down to lower Manhattan. I went expressly to visit both of our subjects today. So I spent a good deal of one-on-one time mm-hmm. actually with both of these pieces of art, Charging Bull and Fearless Girl. And and Fearless Girl, we should note, is not a piece of guerrilla art per se. She was actually a commission from a private company, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But let's start with Charging Bull. Can you, mm-hmm. could you, would you mind situating this bull for us, if you will, for our listeners? Charging Bull mm-hmm. is a bronze sculpture. It's a big boy here, 7,100 pounds or over three and a half tons. It is 11 feet tall and 16 feet long. Charging Bull is 11 feet tall? Seriously? Okay, so there's like a weird optical illusion or something going on, right? Because when I when I think about the bull, it actually feels like a more intimate piece of art. But in reality, when you're standing in front of it, it's huge. It's got this face that's either menacing or cute, depending on the angle. Mm-hmm. And it's in an attack posture. And its tail looks as though it's whipping around in the air. I should also note that the bull is visually male. Um, awkward pause. Well, wait, technically, aren't all bulls male? So, yes. <laughs> but I think you're referring to the fact that there is, um, uh, that the artist has not shied away from including, shall we say, the bull's private parts. Let's just say that the sculptor, Arturo Di Modica, was going for a very bold statement overall here. I'd actually, let me quote from Diane Durante's 2007 book, Outdoor Monuments of Manhattan, A Historical Guide. Quote, the sculpture's attributes, glossy texture, gleaming bronze color, have a crucial impact on the theme. Imagine this bull carved out of white marble and textured to show the hair's on his hide. The effect would be softer and gentler, even though the shape were identical. The bull was designed so that viewers could walk all around him. That also suggests that his own movement is unrestricted. Charging bull, then, shows an aggressive or even belligerent force on the move, but unpredictably, unquote. Wow, so this is like very few pieces of art in the city because it's not like it's not a passive statue in a park mm-hmm. or something that is meant to simply be aesthetically pleasing the charging bull is actually meant to provoke and since its home is in the financial district the home of the New York Stock Exchange i can assume the statue is not about bullfighting oh no thank goodness 
It's not a celebration of bullfighting, right? Nor is it a misplaced tribute to the Chicago Bulls basketball team. I don't know. Or even to that children's classic Ferdinand the Bull. No. No, this is definitely a nod to the bull market or a period of rising stock prices, as opposed to a bear market, which represents a decrease in the stock market, right? So this means, of course, that I need to take us, Tom, to Wall Street, in the 1980s. Oh, good. So like the movie Wall Street, uh, Michael mm-hmm. Douglas's movie that sort of celebrated the concept of greed is good. And you're taking us to a day then when people were actually in the stock exchange working on the floors, trading stocks on the floor. Now, let me take you specifically to the date October 19th, 1987. Ronald Reagan was president. The number one song in the country was Bad by Michael Jackson. The top paperback book was It by Stephen King. And the number one movie was Fatal Attraction. Wow. Quite a threesome. We were really working things out in 1987, (laughs) weren't we? This is quite a period. And we weren't done with working stuff out either. For on October 19th of that year, the stock market crashed. Ugh, I thought we were going to make it through a whole show today without reflecting real-life today events. No, sorry about that. Well, anyway, the story of the charging bull begins with what they called Black Monday, which was a dive in stock prices that sent the markets throughout the entire world reeling. The New York Times banner headline the following day, stocks plunge 508 points, a drop 22.6% in the subhead. Does 1987 equal 1929? Unfortunately, it turned out not to be as bad as the crash of 1929, but it did wipe away billions of dollars, and it certainly created a lot of unease. Yes, and it's these times of crisis, whether they be in the 1980s or say, I don't know, right now, Mm -hmm. it's these times that can also inspire creators. And it was this stock market crash that inspired a local artist named Arturo Demodica. Demodica? He was yes. born he was born in New York? Well, actually he was born in Italy. He was born in the Sicilian town of Vittoria on January 26, 1941. When he was 19 years old, he actually moved to Florence to pursue an artistic career. As many would. I mean, you think of Florence, you think of Da Vinci, Michelangelo, you think of Dante, to name but a few. And I love thinking of Charging Bull coming from the same tradition as Michelangelo's David. Well, neither of them are wearing pants. (laughs) Anyway, it was in Florence that Demodica began working in bronze and made a name for himself here. But by the 1970s, if you truly wanted to become a well-known artist in this world, you needed to have a presence in America. Now, he had already had a solo show in New York, but in 1973, he moved here permanently, at first setting up a small studio on Grand Street in Soho. Uh, To quote from a profile written by Anthony Hayden Guest for Phillips, quote, It was also then that street art and graffiti were becoming a cultural phenomenon, and Demodica was a rare studio artist to be part of that often parking his huge marble abstractions outside his studio on the sidewalk. 
It was also appropriate that it was just here that he caught a young artist spray-painting his studio door. That was Jean-Michel Basquiat. So Demotica was part of that downtown art scene. I can just... Mm-hmm. I can just imagine the big pieces of marble sitting on the gritty streets of Soho at the time. <laughs> and these these were, his works were marble pieces? Yes. So it was marble at this time, and he worked in large, large pieces of marble. In the summer of 1977, he actually began displaying some of these works, not here in Soho, believe it or not, in Castle Clinton, in Battery Park. Wow, Castle Clinton, which we just spoke about two weeks ago in our Jenny Lynn show. That is really interesting, considering that the Charging Bull sculpture is now sitting not far from Battery Park and Castle Clinton today. Well, and a little bit of foreshadowing here to the Charging Bull story. On July 13th, 1977, Demotica hired a truck and crane to move these huge pieces of artwork, okay, it was eight tons of art, mm. move them uptown and plop them down at Rockefeller Center. According to the Daily News the following day, quote, I wanted the critics to see my work, said Demonica. Now they have seen it and are talking about it. I'm sure they were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to continue the quote, sorry. While Demotica talked, passersby milled around the statuary. The largest piece, resembling a female torso, weighs in at three tons. Others, a vaguely female figure, one hinting of a partly deflated soccer ball, and Mm. another reminiscent of a misshapen donut, tips the scales at a ton and a half each. So these had been plopped down in Midtown. What happened then? (laughs) Yes. Well, okay, so he didn't have a permit, believe it or not, uh, so he naturally got fined. In fact, Mayor A. Beam actually came down himself to inspect the scene here, because this is certainly not every day in Rockefeller Center. But Demotica did get people's attention, and he even made the cover of the New York Post the following day. So it really was kind of a publicity stunt of sorts, Mm -hmm. something that maybe Banksy might do today. I mean, Demotica sounds like not only an interesting artist, but also an interesting person, a self-promoter. In fact, he would try this again, a version of this, a few years later. So let's flash forward here to February of 1986. Uh, Demotica was now in a new studio that he built at 54 Crosby Street. Okay, so kind of near the Puck Building. Okay. It was here that he crafted a bronze horse, so like a horse that's head flown back, grabbing its own tail. It was ten and a half feet tall. And so then, without a permit again, he deposited the horse, this time dropping it off at Lincoln Center on Valentine's Day. But I'm just going to assume that that didn't stay up very long either. No. But as they say, the third time's the charm. So let's go back to that stock market crash that we Mm. spoke about just a few minutes ago. The one that occurred on Black Monday, October 19th, 1987. Yes. So Demotica was moved by what was happening in the country and the effects of the stock market crash here and had another idea for a piece of large-scale art, something that might promote and encourage the financial health of the country 
or as he would later be quoted, a tribute to, quote, the strength and power of the American people. So it was from his studio here on Crosby Street that he began working on this large bronze representation of a bull using over $300,000 in materials, which he paid for himself. Okay, so it's, it's the late 80s Soho, and we're down on Crosby, little Crosby, mm-hmm. and we have this artist with his assistants who are crafting this gigantic polished bull. I mean, it's really remarkable to consider. <laughs> and I'm assuming that he had another surprise in mind for New Yorkers in terms of how to, how to unveil this, this newest statue. I'm, I'm assuming here that he doesn't stop and get a permit first. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good assumption to make, Tom. He did not have a permit. So here we are now. It is December of 1989, the holiday season. And down by the New York Stock Exchange, they have installed a gigantic Christmas tree. But of course, what is a tree without a present underneath it? Uh-oh. To quote from the official Charging Bull website, which is maintained by the artist, quote, In the early morning hours of December 15th, 1989, Arturo, with a few friends, dropped the Charging Bull on Broad Street, right in front of the New York Stock Exchange. The previous night, he'd gone to the location with a chronometer to check, noticing that every five to six minutes, the police patrol would come by. So he saw that he'd have to drop the bull and get away within four and a half minutes. This sounds like a heist. And so cinematic. I love it. Continue, Uh, continue. Uh, Well, yeah, so continuing from the website, quote, but on the actual morning of the operation, Arturo and his crew discovered that during the day, the New York Stock Exchange had installed a large Christmas tree blocking the way. Mm. Arturo couldn't even turn the truck around. So on the spot, Arturo decided to place the charging bull right under the tree as a gigantic Christmas present for the city and the world. (laughs) Unquote. What a strange and startling thing to find if you're a stockbroker just heading into work (laughs) in the morning. And the artist was standing right next to his work to greet them. Oh. Uh, to, To quote from the New York Times the following day, quote, daylight brought crowds and hundreds stopped to admire and analyze the bull, which was charging under the branches of a 60 foot Christmas tree also set in the middle of Broad Street. Mr. Demotica handed out copies of The Bull, a pay-on and a flyer to his work. It, so it seems like the, the workers around Wall Street were really into it, but I'm, I have a feeling that the NYPD wasn't quite as thrilled. Um, no, they wouldn't be, actually. But this time, something rather unexpected would happen. Something that would transform a piece of unpermitted art into one of the most beloved and photographed objects in Manhattan. And we'll get to the rest of the story after this. On April 19, 1995, a federal building in Oklahoma City was destroyed in a domestic terrorist attack. Just days after the bombing, America discovered the perpetrator was right-wing extremist Timothy McVeigh, whose mindset and values are still very present today. It's an American tragedy, but one I still remember very vividly. But there is so much more to the story than what you might remember. 
take a deeper look into this moment of history with the podcast Homegrown OKC, hosted by Jeffrey Tubin and based on his book. The Homegrown OKC podcast is about better understanding the political environment in our country today. In particular, I found fascinating all the original archival footage used in the show, sounds which brought me back to that time, but with a richer understanding of events. These episodes were thrilling to listen to. That's Homegrown OKC. To listen, search for Homegrown OKC in your podcast app. That's Homegrown OKC. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Okay, so it's Friday, December 15th. 1989, and stockbrokers and other Wall Street traders and business people are heading into work in the morning. And most likely, they're discussing the fact that Santa has left a three and a half ton bowl under their Christmas tree. (laughs) I mean, thank goodness there were no actual stockings on the New York Stock Exchange, because imagine what Demotica might have put in there. (laughs) In the New York Stocking Exchange? (laughs) Yes. Well, was, was New York... Though at the time, what was the, what was the reaction? Was the city in sort of the holiday festive mode? Well, no surprise, the police department was not happy with this thing in the middle of a busy street. Busy street, because in the 1980s, there was actually still motor vehicle traffic at Broad and Wall Street. Yeah. Just, it's funny to think of that, because we're so used to it today being pedestrian-only streets. Yeah, which is what it should be. So uh, they eventually towed the bull away by the afternoon. No small feet. <laughs> no, no. The bull has some small feet, but the, <laughs> the impounding the bull was not a small feat. But because of the size of this thing, it took the city several hours to finally find a trucking company with a flatbed truck and the equipment to lift it up and then move it to their headquarters in Queens. But that whole morning, okay, the whole morning with the bull in the middle of the street, hundreds of people came by to look at it and take its picture, of course, because it was a curiosity. The next day, the bull actually made the front page of the New York Post, and it also made the front page of the Metro section in the New York Times. And then the Associated Press also wrote about the bull, meaning that it then made the pages of newspapers all across the country. And just like that, the charging bull statue had become a star. The headline in the New York Post, Bah Humbug, New York Stock Exchange Can't Bear Christmas Gift Bull. Oh, 
some good post headline writing there. Yeah, the traders themselves seem to like it. To quote further from the Times, by day's end, the Dow Industrial Average was down 14.08 points. And while analysts spoke of obscure economic forces, the clerks and sidewalk cognoscenti of the nation's street of dreams were bemoaning the unceremonial removal of Arturo de Modica's charging bowl. So the sculpture had been hauled off to Queens. Was it actually in any danger of being melted down or, or destroyed? In a different time and place, Tom, I would imagine so. But in a gesture of good faith that feels like it just would never happen in post-1990s New York, right? Uh-huh. On Wednesday, on December 20th, the Parks Department decided to open its arms to the bowl. And it was sent back to Lower Manhattan, but it wasn't placed in the middle of the street, obviously, near the Stock Exchange, but rather on a traffic triangle that sits just north of Bowling Green. Bowling Green being the city's oldest park, or public space, I guess I should say, uh, tracing, tracing its history all the way back to the Dutch days. And here at Bowling Green in 1776, there was an equestrian statue of King George that was torn down by angry revolutionaries. But, but here now, almost 214 years later, the city is actually placing a new statue here that celebrates finance. <laughs> right? Funny how <laughs> history works here. Mm. I mean, and timing is everything here for the introduction of Charging Bull as a tourist attraction. Right, So it makes its home in December of 1989. During the 1990s, New York cleans up its image. You know, Times Square becomes Disneyfied, if you will. Tourism greatly improves in the city. And then here's this bowl that's really fun for the whole family. And let's be honest here. You know, we, you and I, the listeners, have seen this bowl a million times. And we're used to it. Mm -hmm. But imagine seeing it for the first time. It's actually a beautiful piece of art. It's not campy. It's maybe a little kitschy for some, but it's it's definitely not campy, right? It has right. A, a mix of appeals that keeps it a popular destination. The chairman of the Bowling Green Association, Arthur J. Piccolo, said, quote, with the exception of the Statue of Liberty, there is not a more popular sculpture anywhere in the country. Unquote. And that, he said that, by the way, in a 1993 article. So it, even by then, it had already become an integral part of the tourist experience. Are you saying that everybody loved it? Well, there have been some negative connotations placed upon the bull, you know, in the years following. Like during the Occupy Wall Street movement, for instance, in 2011... There were protesters that gathered just a few blocks up from the bull at Zuccotti Park, outraged at American financial institutions and this country's massive wealth inequality. They used the bull as a symbol of financial greed. Although they probably weren't actually angry at the bull sculpture itself, but rather what it was representing. Yeah, they were activists, not art critics. Even still, though, the police kept the sculpture behind metal barricades for many, many weeks during the protests and then actually for a long period of time after the protests. So the city was actually protecting the statue. Yeah. Did, does the city actually own the statue now or does 
the artist still own the statue? Who owns it? Believe it or not, the bull is on what we might call a permanent temporary loan. The city does not own it. The artist retains the copyright to the work, of course. He's actually gone on to make other copies for private collectors and has even successfully sued people for making unauthorized reproductions. And he, ha- he hasn't only sued other people, um, he's actually threatened to sue other statues. You can sue a statue? Uh, well, let me clarify. He's actually threatened legal action against another statue maker or against the placement of another statue. Mm-hmm. That statue, of course, is the fearless girl. A four-foot-two bronze statue of a girl who's standing strong, hands on her hip, chin up, with a determined expression on her face. Fearless Girl was created by Kristen Visbal and installed on March 7th, 2017. Oh, yeah. I, I love the Fearless Girl. I'm sure many of our listeners have strong feelings about Fearless Girl. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would Demotica threaten her with a lawsuit? Well, because she was initially installed right here, facing the bowl, just a couple of feet up the street from the bowl, in fact, as if she was staring him down. Let's face it, then that, having them next to each other, creates this powerful message, and one that I don't think Demotica had in mind, right? A young woman fearlessly facing down a bull, Mm -hmm. and all that that bull represented so close to Wall Street. And that's where his threat of a lawsuit comes in, because in placing her statue right there, Demotica claimed that she was actually altering the sense of his statue of the charging bull. He said that she was hijacking his artistic intentions. Okay, um, wait, can we just back up for a little a little bit here? Because we just went very deep here with hijacked artistic intentions. <laughs> Let's, I want a little backstory here on, on Miss Fearless. Where, mm-hmm. where did she come from? Well, one of the interesting aspects of Fearless Girl is that she, unlike Charging Bull, Fearless Girl was created as part of a marketing and publicity campaign. You could say a very effective marketing and publicity campaign. The advertising powerhouse firm McCann, New York, was was tasked with creating a campaign for their client, the financial firm State Street Global Advisors, to help celebrate International Women's Day, or more specifically, to celebrate the first anniversary of one of State Street's special funds, the, quote, Gender Diversity Index Fund. And what is the Gender Diversity Index? Well, it's an index fund, okay, that invests in companies that have high levels of female senior leadership. So so they were looking for an appropriate way to, to celebrate the anniversary of the creation of this fund. And it was timed with International Women's Day. So McCann came up with the concept of a statue of a strong young woman placed here staring down the bull exactly and and the artist Kristen visbell created then the statue of this girl you know which while only 50 inches tall uh weighs 250 pounds and they obtained a special permit from the city to place it in the street here for one week okay facing down charging bull it was installed on march 7th 2017 the day before International Women's Day was set to begin. Wow, so just a week. Wow, so that just 
obviously came and went. Yeah, she was only supposed to be there for a week. But Fearless Girl turned out to be a huge hit, a huge hit with the public. She has been photographed. She's been Instagrammed mm-hmm. millions of times, often by others that are standing next to her, striking the same pose. She was so popular that she was quickly allowed to stay for a month. And then I guess with that extra exposure, she found support among a few very prominent New Yorkers. Actually, quite quite quickly found that support, um, including from Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, Mayor de Blasio, and many others. People were inspired by what she represented, you know, or represented to them, I should say. Female empowerment, resilience. And so on March 27th, 2017, just 20 days after being installed, Mayor de Blasio announced that she'd be permitted to stay for another year until the next International Women's Day in 2018. Now, the New York Times quoted de Blasio standing next to the statue, saying that she represents, quote, standing up to fear, standing up to power, being able to find in yourself the strength to do what's right. And yet, like every really good story, there is a little drama slipped into the mix. Mm-hmm. Not everyone agreed with this no, optimism. In- no, including some feminist writers who took issue with how the statue represented corporate feminism and was actually just a bunch of PR. Which then brings us back to Demotica, who also thought that the statue was a publicity coup, by the way. But he also made the interesting claim that Fearless Girl was actually corrupting the meaning of his statue, Charging Bull. And, and so he was threatening legal action. After all, Charging Bull had become, become a part of the cityscape. Yes, and as you mentioned before, he had created it with a certain meaning and intention. In a TV interview that I saw on WNET Channel 13, Demotica's attorney clarified that the charging bull was about positivity. It was about the idea of prosperity for all. And by placing Fearless Girl directly in its path, she was effectively making the bull into a villain. You know, it was impossible to go down and visit those two statues and not find yourself cheering for the girl. You know, and and for everything that she represented, especially as she was as she faced off and stood up to this powerful and very masculine animal and everything, everything that he represented. Okay, but like, let's be clear here. She was part of a PR campaign (laughs) or in Demotica's words, a quote, advertising trick. But aside from his displeasure and from this sort of real-world confrontation between the two statues, by this time, both Fearless Girl and Charging Bull had become incredibly popular, so popular with tourists that things were actually becoming dangerous because so many tourists were coming down to take their photos um, that they were tourists were spilling out into Broadway. And so something had to happen. And finally, in November of 2018, Fearless Girl stepped away from the bull and was reinstalled the next month on December 10th, 2018, in the pedestrian street outside the doors of the New York Stock Exchange, where you'll still find her standing today. And eager for the packs of tourists to come again, snap selfies with her and to be inspired. Now, as of press time, by the way, there are also plans to 
possibly move Charging Bull over to this area as well. So they may have a rematch at some point. Although, quite frankly, with the way things are going right now in the world, I hope that we leave Charging Bull right where he is, at the tip of Manhattan, right next to Bowling Green. Join us on our website, BarryBoysHistory.com, where I'll have images of these of our two protagonists here, our two sculptural protagonists. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and on Instagram, where this weekend I actually posted some of my photos from that journey into Manhattan, and we'll be posting more after this show comes out. If you listen to our show from last weekend, the the Moonstruck Bowery Boys Movie Club episode, uh, we did announce a listener challenge. We're asking our listeners to call in our special listener call-in line and leave a message about how you feel at home in New York. We want native New Yorkers to call in, people who moved to the city, people who moved out of the city, and people who just visit the city or love the city from afar and still feel at home. We're collecting those stories for an upcoming episode as we're all spending a lot of time, all of our time, at home. So call us at one 4 bowery That's one 4 the number four, Bowery. If you're timid, you can also email us your stories at tom at boysPodcast.com and greg at boysPodcast.com. We can't wait to hear from you. We've gotten many great responses so far. Oh, we great. can't wait to pull them together into a show. <laughs> by the way, this episode, the one you're listening to, was brought to you by a listener, actually. It was a, a listener request. This subject was emailed to us by listener Elizabeth Keating. So thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. And if you have any other suggestions out there, please email them to the addresses that were previously mentioned, Tom at BarryBoysPodcast.com and Greg at BarryBoysPodcast.com. A huge thank you to our patrons who have joined us with their support at patreon.com slash boys. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash boys. It is only because of you and your small monthly financial support that we are able to do right now, produce two shows a week. Those who support us on Patreon will get a brand new episode of our Bowery Boys Movie Club to be released here very soon. And I also wanted to extend a special thank you to some recent Patreon supporters, such as ELC, Diane P., and Bill B. from Manhattan, Jason S.G. from Long Island City, Eric K. from the Bronx, Gerald and Yvonne N. from Minnesota, Richard W. from Washington, D.C., and Nathan R. from India. We can't thank you enough for supporting us at patreon.com slash boys. Thank you so much. We will be back here on Friday. Have a great New York week, whether you live here or not. See you real soon. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.